0: What's interesting and what's taking off with the NFT space and open to creatives and business owners is the utility behind the NFT, that it's not just scarcity. It's not just like, oh, there's only one board ape and whatever, whatever. It's what does that NFT represent? And that's where businesses and creatives and innovators can come in and start really rethinking how they do business, how they serve their clientele is through the utility behind NFTs, which I'll let you explain that, Rich.
1: It's not just about having a certificate of authenticity, for example. So like at any time, at any given mo- any given moment, we could go online and buy a Pulp Fiction poster and be like, this is a Quentin Tarantino signed one. Like, you don't know when you get that when it comes to, a you know, an NFT or whatever it may be. Like, you absolutely know that doesn't mean it holds value. The marketplace decides if it has value and the way a marketplace decides it has value is. Number one, unfortunately, if, if they think it's cool.
2: Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three,
1: two, one, deploy.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. And thank you for joining yet another discussion featuring topics focused on us humans and the very dynamic and evolving relationship of how we continue to interact and grow with technology. Just eight months ago, who would have known that words like NFT, metaverse, and web 3.0 would be super high interest topics of discussion amongst friends, text threads, and even corporate organizations? In just the retail Fortune 500 alone, it's hard to find a big brand that isn't bringing up digital assets and ecosystems in their forward-looking growth strategies. Everyone is talking about it. If this is your first time taking a deeper dive in NFTs or non-fungible tokens, they are digital assets that represent real-world things like art, clothing, music, or gaming artifacts like DeLoreans, for which a friend of mine apparently purchased to drive around the metaverse at some point one day. It all does sound a bit ethereal, but at an estimated $23 billion market size, NFTs could change the world as we know it in 2022. And now for today's discussion. Heather Parity and Rich Cardona join this live episode of the Data Binge podcast discussion to talk to us all about NFTs. Heather and Rich are hosts of NFTs for Newbies, a new podcast all about NFTs, focused on their combined journeys of navigating the world of the NFT from a beginner's perspective, a beginner's mindset. NFTs for Newbies surpassed around 200,000 downloads as of December of 2021, in less than four months from its inception. The topic and the interest all up has just been a rocket ship of learning, sharing, in collaboration for Heather and Rich as they continue to educate us all on the evolving world of the NFT. And I love this conversation today because we take a moment to join the both of them in their journey and in their discovery of this fascinating new world. We also, in the talk, managed to have just a little bit of fun together on the way as well. We really hope you love this conversation. If you haven't already and you are interested in NFTs, Check out their podcast, NFTs for newbies, available in all of your favorite places to stream audio content. Now I bring you Heather Parody and Rich Cardona. Hello, everyone. We are live. Welcome to this live episode of the Data Bench podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, the Data Bench podcast is a library of discussions with technologists, business leaders, and creators around the human relationship with technology and nothing is more at the center than the human relationship with technology than NFTs. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use my Batman voice for that. Introducing your guests today, hosts of the wildly popular and growing podcast that I just simply love, NFTs for Newbies, Heather Parody and Rich Cardonaverse. We're gonna start with you, Heather. How are you feeling today? Cause I'm feeling overwhelmed on this topic. How are you feeling today? And what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of an NFT?
0: Okay. Feeling. Um, I just had a sip of my energy drink. I have to have my little drink of caffeine as the afternoon goes. I was tired five seconds ago. Now I'm wired up, ready to go. What I think <laughs> of when I think of NFT, I think of discords and conversations and kids with beanies and a little bit of stress and anxiety and art and people exploring and having a lot of fun not really knowing what they're doing. That's what I think of.
1: For me, I think the word adrenaline comes to mind. The phrase FOMO comes to mind and fear comes to mind. I was listening to a podcast last night, as a matter of fact, and when it came to like social media and Facebook, like all that stuff was intrinsically kind of easy to understand and also easy to avoid because you're like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. But this involves heavy and massive amounts of money exchanges and a high, high, high market cap. And it's really intimidating. And it's just one of those things that we feel inclined to educate people about so they're not as fearful. And Our just definitions have been
0: really like sad. Like <laughs> we just sad? Like FOMO and anxiety and all
1: that. It's exciting, but it's also
2: really scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. How are you feeling, Rich? How are you feeling today? I feel fantastic. <laughs> like I've won already. Like, I feel like I won
1: a million times a day already. This is another victory that I could put uh, under the belt. And then yeah, man, I'm feeling fantastic. This has been a monster, monster week, not only for our business, but my individual business as well.
2: Amazing, amazing. So for folks that are watching live or watching after the live discussion, feel free to drop in your comments and your DMs, both Heather and Rich. They are just wealth of information in, in regard to NFTs. But look, let's, let's just, let's get started. Let's start with you now, Rich. Can you talk about what your real job is? What you actually do uh, and how that makes sense in this NFT world? ah man that's tough
1: in in some ways that's tough so podcast production i was very heavily into video production you know not very long ago and i realized like i I was just not getting the enjoyment i wanted out of that i really wanted to become a better podcaster podcast host like all those things so i I would love to to give other people the opportunity to do the same, same to have that form of self-expression to use a different medium to have triple the content that they would if they just did text post, you know, all these different things. So uh have a fantastic team and we do podcast launches and production for individuals and businesses. So so that is what I do. I love, love, love to do it because I am a practitioner and that's largely important, I think. So there's that. And how does it tie into NFTs? Like, it didn't, and I won't like kind of tell our story just yet, but I will say that there was a mutual interest in NFTs between Heather and I, and we finally met in person. And from there, we started kind of exchanging ideas and and things started to happen, but it doesn't tie to NFTs. The only thing I could say is when we launched, there were very few NFT podcasts that I know of, and now there's like freaking a million. (laughs) So it's worth it. It's a medium to educate, but that's how it ties in, I guess, to educate people.
2: Amazing, and so Jason Bradley, he's a, a Microsoft Surface specialist. He says video looking crispy. He's a tech guy. He loves hardware. Jason, I you can you can give yourself a call out for Microsoft services if you like. Do a commercial here, um, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna jump over to Heather. Heather, can you talk about besides NFTs? What do you do? What's your thing? What's your your regular Derek, uh, job I was of choice?
0: Minding living a normal life, <laughs> and NFTs just completely disrupted it. Um, I've been working with service providers, primarily mental health therapists and educators, building out online programs for the past couple of years. So all the funnels, all the things behind the scenes with an online business, me and my team take care of and I've been enjoying it. I've been hosting a couple of shows on the side, uh, unconventional leaders for the past three, four years Happy Brain and Mental Health podcast. So I'm no newbie when it comes to podcasting. It's my favorite medium of content creation and getting information out there. But then whenever NFTs entered the picture, and um, it's really, like I said, wrecked my world all in a a very good way. So there's been a lot of things I've been reconsidering as far as personal business and where this is going because we kind of caught in on a really crucial time, I think, and noticing the opportunity that not only we have, but a lot of creators and small business owners have right now. To take advantage of where we're at in the NFT landscape,
2: the journey is important. I know your journey because I, I'm like listening to the soap opera that is your <laughs> your podcast, constantly yearning to learn what's going on in your lives, what you have sold, what you've learned, what you haven't learned, what you're thinking about certain things. Heather, can you maybe tag team with with Rich and just talk about like who? How did you guys come together? Like, how did you start creating all of this knowledge?
0: We came together from LinkedIn. I had hello, a, a hello, show. LinkedIn. What up,
2: LinkedIn? <laughs> you're responsible for this.
0: one of my many shows that I've had uh, was the LinkedIn-based show a couple of years ago. And uh, I interviewed Rich. And we were just friends for a couple of years. Y'all know the internet friend thing that you do. And his energy and vibe was just so cool. We just got along really, really great. When we met in person this past summer, we said, like, we need to do something together. We need to make something, right? And NFTs was just kind of like, well, let's just do NFTs. Because we were both really interested in it, but knew nothing about it. Like nothing
1: we had invested in already
0: yeah but that was kind of like i don't even know how we did that (laughs) you know what i mean it was like one of those things where we invested and really were googling how to do things so i feel like for me correct me if i'm wrong rich we knew we wanted to collaborate on something and nfts was really the afterthought of that and it just so happens that nfts is the thing that kind of popped and made it work what do you have to add to that
1: yeah I think we decided we were in Nashville when we met in person, like she said, the vibe was all good. I was like, man, like this is like bestie material or something like this is awesome. Like we decided we had to figure out a way to collab and we didn't just want to come out with anything per se, but we knew we didn't know so much about something we had invested in like thousands of dollars. Right. So that doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense at all. So why don't we just start a show where we talk about it and we um, look like we got to be super transparent. We had no idea that people were going to be like thirsty for the knowledge. We were just literally trying to do something for ourselves and hold ourselves accountable. And hopefully people would listen and learn along with us. And that's just,
0: and we said 24 episodes because we didn't know if it would work or not. So it's like, let's commit to 24 and then we'll see if we still care about this NFT business or not. If we still like each other after this. <laughs> and um, yeah. by 24 episodes, I think we had hit 100K. Was that right? Yeah. yeah. And we're like, I think we need to keep rolling with this. So
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of people commented on what we already kind of inherently knew, which was the chemistry, you know what I mean? And it was effortless. I'm like, dude, this is easy. And that's how you want it to be. So, and I've not had a co-ho- co You've had co-hosts before, right, Heather? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I have not. So that was, I was like, this could blow up or be awesome. And it did not blow up. It, it was just fantastic.
2: So when two non-techies, presumably, <laughs> coming from some, I, I thought I was a techie and so, n- until I started trying to learn about this stuff. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I might as well be an English major. When two non-techies just become knowledge captures of this, like what are the tenets of how you guys learn? Knowing that folks listening to this are like, "There's no way I could figure this new world out." Can you talk about those tenets of learning or how you coasted through this show as newbies? <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll, We're I'll, normally I'll really it. great about I signals. Look. I know that look. She's like, "Go ahead." Heather actually should lead this because she just started doing research. She's like, you're going to research in three places. I'm going to research in three places. So Derek, if I said to you, like, hey, man, this episode is going to save you from having to go to... Ethereum.org and Coinbase.com and all these other things to get the information you want, like you'll take that, especially if it could be done in 15 minutes. So Heather would pick out three articles. She would assign me three articles. She was like super all over it. I mean, she, she had the vision far, far before I did. And we just scoured the internet and in, in the right places to get educated. And our job was just to be exactly who we are, talk about exactly how we process, exactly how we learn, and just hope that there was plenty of other people just like us. And that turned out to be pretty pragmatic in the end, I think, so.
0: I think from a creative standpoint, a lesson I've learned from this is to really lean into the truth. And own the truth. And the truth is that we were reading things and trying to dissect them on the show because we fully didn't understand it. And so there's a tendency, I know I've I've experienced this as a creator to go into something being like, I need to like be t- top of my game, have everything perfect and blah, 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 and be like some kind of guru on it. But I think we'd be able to really relate to our audience and have a lot more fun by coming in and being like, yo, we're not playing with you we're learning this with you and we're going to screw up and we're going to whatever, whatever. And I think that relatability, it pisses some people off because they're like, you know, they're not used to that. But I think the vast majority, 95% of people find relief in it because they go, oh, if Heather and Rich are confused by this too and they have a freaking show, it's cool that this is overwhelming for me too.
1: I don't know why I have to just like say this. I, I, I remember when I was in college and... um I was going to like a parking lot and it was just kind of like always insane trying to find parking in the garage. This is like new. This is like my first week. Dude, Like get here at this time, go to this level. This person had been there not much longer than I had, right? And that's the idea here is like, we're a couple steps ahead. No one's really winning in the NFT world because the technology and everything changes so rapidly. So if you have someone who's kind of offering a hand or extending the olive branch and being like, hey man, like I was there two seconds ago that's a good feeling versus, although we love Gary Vee, it's like, I'm cross-eyed sometimes by the end of like listening to some of the things he's conceptualizing, (laughs) right? So it's like, I think that helps, right? Like you always remember like, oh, thanks for that shortcut or thanks for that tip. And if we could just reproduce that on a weekly basis, three times a week, then like, I think it's, it's worth something.
2: So now we've talked a little bit about this corpus of learning and kind of what this is and how you guys have approached it, very understandable. If folks haven't listened to the podcast, they should. And we'll give links at the end of the, of the discussion today. But we got a question in from Jillian Kulf, and she's asking, if they're reproducible digital products, then how do they have value? All right. All right. She's also asking what this. makes something a good NFT? Maybe we can get into what the hell an NFT is. <laughs> you guys could talk a little bit about this.
0: Yeah. So the misconception an understandable misconception, because Rich and I've had it as well, is like, what is, I don't, I don't get it. I've been sharing images. I've been screenshotting, you know, I've been sharing GIFs, GIFs, whatever, on text messages to Rich all the time. Why is this valuable? Is this just a fad? Is it phasing out? And I think where I had a lot of growing to do, and I'm still trying to map my mind around, is blockchain technology and how they have the the images, the assets that we're selling, these NFTs, actually have embedded in them this certain code, this technology. And I'm talking super elementary here, y'all, but this is how we roll here in newbie land. <laughs> And you're able to track the original owner, the original producer, to track who sold what to who. You're able to track this digital asset from the very beginning all the way until it's burned or whatever happens to it. And so the value comes in of knowing that you're able to create scarcity, in a digital landscape. And that's kind of blows everybody's minds because you think, again, that how could you ever trace back something and know what was the original? But through this technology, they're able to do that. Now, that's one aspect of it. If you think about the value, the scarcity is in, like, let's say a piece of art. What's interesting and what's taking off with an NFT space and open to creatives and business owners is the utility behind the nft that it's not just scarcity it's not just like oh there's only one board ape and whatever whatever it's what does that nft represent and that's where businesses and creatives and innovators can come in and start really rethinking how they do business how they serve their clientele is through the utility behind nfts which i'll let you explain that rich
1: it's not just about having a a certificate of authenticity for example so like at any time at any given mo- in any given moment we could go online and buy a pulp fiction poster and be like this is a quentin tarantino signed one like you don't know when you get that when it comes to a you know an nft or whatever it may be like you absolutely know that doesn't mean it holds value the marketplace decides if it has value and the way a marketplace decides it has value is number one unfortunately if if, if they think it's cool <laughs> like, I mean, I don't hear a lot about, about the utility about CryptoPunks, but they're the biggest, you know, well, them and Ape. Well, it's are,
0: brand, the it, brand. It's a brand, right? right? But like, what's
1: the utility? So the utility in that case would be status. I get to change my profile picture. People can see on the blockchain that I actually own it. And Jay-Z has one and Steph Curry has one and I have one. So I'm cool. <laughs> I'm in that club. So there's status, right? I wouldn't consider that utility, but it is something that has to be taken into consideration. Other methods of utility, like Gary V, it gives you access to his VCon, his conference, which he's never had conferences before, for the next three years. Okay, you can't get in there without an NFT. The Dallas Mavericks have adopted certain NFTs that will allow people certain experiences or better seats or something along those lines. If you are talking to a data company. I I think, you know, the gentleman wrote a surface NFT. Okay. If you get one of these and you hold on to it for three years, that means you are going to get the next upgraded one potentially for life or something like that. Like it doesn't matter what it is, but what matters is that businesses are starting to at least pay attention to number one, a technology that's getting adopted faster than any technology in history, which is Ethereum, which replaced bitcoin as the fastest adopted technology and number two is if the goal is to decentralize finance to make seamless transactions to just eliminate middlemen then businesses probably need to get on board with that because there's a lot of people who would love to do away with a lot of the things that slow things down and want to do with all the things that speed things up so again it's like so far from just a picture it's all the other things involved
0: I heard it described, and I loved this as a glorified membership. And so if you can sort of wrap your mind around creating something, whether and again, it's everybody's stuck on art, it can be anything. It could be videos. It could be gifs. It could be whatever you could make digital. That thing, what does that represent? And I mean, there was a, we're contacted by a coffee shop the other day. We're gonna do a live with them. I don't know if I told you that, <laughs> where they're doing NFTs for their community and the community gets discounts. You know, when they come up, they can just show their wallet, show their NFT and they get discounts. I mean, it's gonna be transfer. I mean, into our everyday lives. I don't think it's going to look the way it looks right now for probably much longer, a year or two, I don't know. But we will have some form of this utility in our day-to-day lives, I I guarantee, within the next five years.
2: I interviewed this gentleman, he worked with me a number of years ago. He was like right out of university and he was like the blockchain guy at Microsoft. Like anytime blockchain came up, you go to this, and I think this was in 2018. I called him Doogie Hauser on our interview live and he's like, I don't know who that is. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I'm finally getting old. (laughs) That was that (laughs) That thing, right? right? And he was talking about, and again, this was three, four years ago. He's talking about blockchain for materials, provenance, steel, the degradation of steel and understanding how that steel is degraded coming from China versus Australia or salmon. Is this salmon still edible based upon how long it's traveled and keeping up with that with blockchain? He went into t- and this is where he got he geeked out right. He's like armor and he's like imagine armor in World of Warcraft and you have this one digital artifact of armor and everyone knows it's worth and it's since someone believes in its worth then it's now and this was before the and and, and that was blowing my mind three years ago.
0: He must be having a field day right now.
2: Oh, he's he's <laughs> no longer working with us. <laughs> so he's, probably, he's probably in some island <laughs> someplace you know celebrating himself. A couple quick things. So Matt Hughes, he's a a U.S. high-tech industry leader. He says, I'm waiting for for my Green Bay Packers stock certificate to be converted to an NFT. And he says, rich? (laughs) Question mark.
1: NFL teams are doing NFTs. I don't think that you could convert a stock certificate into it, but NFTs are being made for all NFL teams. You could definitely just, you can go to NFL NFT. I think we did an episode on it uh, for sure, but check it out. There might be some really cool incentives for your Packers fans, so.
2: Awesome. Matt, you need to have these folks in your high-tech series because that could be a really fun conversation. Some quick factoids, and then maybe we could kind of revisit some of the things we've been talking about. I don't know if you both have read the Bitcoin standard, but like three or four months ago, I started like, Trying to understand sellability and blockchain, just trying to figure this thing out. And I'm not even at the NFT thing yet. I am know, give me a couple more months on that. But it, it talked about the difference between gold and Bitcoin and, and now even these digital artifacts that don't exist and some of the reason people can't believe in it. But he brings it back to just economics. And he says, anytime a person chooses a good as a store of value, she is effectively increasing the demand for it beyond the regular market demand, which increases its price. Conversely, I listened to this podcast from the desk of Kelly Evans. She's a phenomenal speaker on CNBC. She has her, I think her podcast is called The Exchange. And she interviewed this dude. He's like an artist, a very successful NFT artist. And he's like, hey, what's the difference between buying a $500 pair of shoes? I don't know what that looks like for you, Heather, or Rich. Maybe it's like a sick pair of Jordans. What's the difference between buying a pair of those, paying the money, and keeping them in your closet during COVID when no one can see them and buying an NFT. And that made me start thinking, well, this is, this is interesting because there really is no difference.
1: I'd like to mention something about that, which is, you know, I kind of mentioned status and I I think Heather, I said this on one of our episodes, I made up some thing that Heather, uh, you know, collects snow globes or, or figurines or I don't know what. And let's say she had them at her house in a little thing on display, how many people would go see that, right? Like how many people would she, would she, you know, that's one thing if she gets enjoyment out of it, but I guarantee if people go over her house, she'll be like, oh, look at this. Here's my whatever collection. This is that, except people don't have to go to your house. They could go into your public wallet and determine a lot about you by the fact that you have one of Gary V's V friends, that you have one of Tom Billu's founder's keys, that you are an investor in the world of women NFT, that you're holding on to boss beauties because that clearly means you're a Marvel fan because they're partners with Marvel. And this is not just about status. The way a lot of people very high up in the NFT world talk about it is it's just a form of communication, right? Heather, wear certain things. You wear certain things. I wear certain things. And when we go out, if I'm not necessarily communicating with anyone verbally, like I'm communicating by how I'm kind of expressing myself, what I'm about, what I'm wearing, the brands I like, and all that other good stuff. That's what it is. The crazy thing is, though, for everyone listening, is that that $500 pair of Jordans is nothing compared to one ETH for this freaking NFT that you want to buy that you have no idea if it's going to tank or not. At least, you know, with the Jordans, like, cool, $500. That's really expensive. But people go crazy in NFT world spending all kinds of money that they shouldn't, probably.
0: Yeah, it seems a little underground right now and that, who knows what who's in you know what people are holding, but the way it's moving and again, everything can change tomorrow. You know, Gary, but Gary Vaynerchuk, he's predicting that it's going to be kind of more of a social platform of kind of how we understand social media right now, but the blue check mark and you know, what's rich doing and family Sundays and all that stuff. The same emphasis is going to be put on each other's wallets because we can go into it and see what Rich is holding, what you're holding, what concerts you've been to, et cetera, et cetera. Employers are going to be able to go and look at applicants' wallets and see what kind of values that they have and the things they actually put money into. I mean, these things are going to, I mean, they are right now, People have public access to it. Is it popular right now to go look at each other's wallets? No. Will it be in five years? Probably.
2: We have a a good question from Prasad. He's a go-to-market leader at Amazon, AWS. And uh, he's asking, he's getting serious. Prasad, you're getting serious. He's like, can you please talk about pitfalls to avoid while buying NFTs from the NFT for newbies perspective? Pitfalls from purchasing NFTs. (laughs) What comes to mind other than your, your wives and husbands? (laughs) <laughs> getting grilling you.
0: Do your own stinking research. I mean, that's the biggest thing that everybody in the NFT sp- space says, but it's for good reason. To Rich's point earlier, there's a lot of FOMO and a lot of like, oh, I bought a million of these and a ton of these and all that. And there's a lot of money getting thrown around without really understanding the business that you're investing in. Because investing in a project is investing in a business, essentially. You're taking... Part ownership up and you're betting on on whether they're going to be able to deliver or not. So I would say doing more research, just small little things I didn't know going in was verified accounts and making sure I'm buying from the right creator because sometimes bigger projects will have copycats. And if you're a newbie, it's easy to go into a marketplace like OpenSea and think you're buying one thing and not really verifying that you're buying from the right source and end up losing your Ethereum or whatever. Those are small little things Um Rich, what do you
1: have as far as pitfalls to avoid? I, I mean, I just don't think people put in time learning and it's not necessarily a FOMO thing, but I think there's definite possibility that someone, well, if Heather's buying NFTs and I'm sure I could do it too, but like, do you know what you're buying? Do you know why you're buying it? Have you done? I mean, of course you mentioned the research, but like, have you looked at the people behind the project? Have you established whether they have a good, solid, Fundamentally sound community that shares your core values. I mean, there's all these aspects to it. Is it a copycat project? Is it a verified project? What kind of blockchain cryptocurrency does it use on which blockchain? There's so many things. And while it might be tempting to just kind of jump in and maybe you get a phone call or a text like, dude, these things are on fire. Scoop them up while the floor price is low, floor price is kind of buy now price, the lowest buy now price of that collection. Are you doing any of that stuff? And do you actually understand what is happening? Do you understand that there's a royalty fee? Do you understand that there's a service fee? Do you understand how to find it once it's in your wallet? Do you understand how to go onto Etherscan and look at all the transaction details? It can be very complicated and could also be very rudimentary. It just depends on how much you've actually taken the time to educate yourself on. And and that's literally the point of the show.
0: And this should go without saying too, you think it would be obvious, in our Discord community, I'm just amazed how many people, unfortunately, are falling victim to a lot of the, the scams in a space where people are either sending DMs and they're sending direct links and you're unknowingly clicking those links. And sometimes if you're wanting to mint a project, connecting your wallet to a website that you don't need to be connecting it to, I mean, you'd be incredibly wary of these things because people can actually, when you get your wallet connected in there, can actually strip whatever is in your wallet. This is interesting and I don't want to scare anybody, but this is the reality of it. Is you since, said I was being
1: scary and sad at the beginning, <laughs> well, by this the way. Is the truth.
0: this is the truth. <laughs> is since since uh, public wallets are public, we're sharing wallets sometimes publicly and so forth. People can airdrop, drop in one of their NFTs into your wallet that you didn't buy. And there can be code in those NFTs that say, if interacted with, they can take whatever is in your wallet. So if I burn that NFT, if I get rid of that NFT, if I sell that NFT that was dropped in my wallet, they have access to my wallet. That's a rare case. I don't know. I only know of one case that that's happened with and we live, eat and breathe this space, but that is the reality of it. And so pitfalls is just being hyper aware of what you're connecting to, what you're clicking on, what you're buying, because it's the freaking wild rest right now. And unfortunately, there are people taking advantage of people.
1: I just wanted to balance it out, you know, as far Here's some as... some hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I saw the question and pitfalls. There's a lot of upsides, including getting to know new people in real life. So there's much. a lot of networking. There's really good art to support. There's really good community-based organizations. There's charities. I mean, there's a lot of good as well. But those are... I mean, yes, we covered the pitfalls, but there's significant upsides that are responsible for significant changes
2: in both of our lives. So yeah, I mean our show's it's
0: advocating it's, for NFTs. We we believe in it.
1: Yeah.
2: And you mentioned OpenSea. for those that don't know what that is, I, I had to look it up before this conversation is the largest NFT marketplace, according to some sources. They did two hundred and forty three million dollars in January second on January second in I think value of trading, which I mean that's a lot of money. It's like buying two hundred and forty three houses in one day in, in Los Angeles proper. I mean that's It's a lot of, and and there's no houses there. (laughs) There's just these things. So you guys, now I, I I haven't checked maybe 47 episodes or something, you guys are well on your way. I can't even keep up with the amount of downloads that you're getting, a lot of traction here. What's the most common DMs, episodes that folks hook onto, things that are really interesting that you guys are noticing patterns in your audience viewership?
0: How do I make an NFT? How can I create an NFT? I'm an artist. How do I get in on this? I'm a business owner. How do I get on this? What do
1: I need to be doing? Surprisingly, yeah. People are really interesting. the The people that listen, there's a lot that want buying advice and stuff like that. But what she said is, I, I kind of was just not ready for that. I'm like, oh, you, so you want to <laughs> create? I guess we need to create. Like that's part of our promise. So there's a lot of people interested. and and I think this is where it goes as creators, whether that's, podcasting, video, art, music, whatever it is, there's a lot of people that are, in my opinion, have hope now that they could actually have something successful using blockchain technology instead of trying to give away their CDs on a street corner and be like, dude, just give it a listen. I really believe that's exactly what's happening and they're not wrong for thinking that. So that is absolutely something we get. I would say the second thing we get, Heather, and and you can let me know if I'm wrong, a lot of people are just saying you make it so easy to understand. And, and what I mean by that is those usually come after the episodes that have what is as part of the title. What is a seed phrase? What is a crypto wallet? How do I, whatever. People eat that up, especially in short pieces, just because it's like, okay, like, the ingestion, the the saturation can happen so fast. We don't want to lose anyone. You know, we don't want to lose anyone and we're already ADD as it is. So it's like, let's just keep (laughs) it short and sweet and get the hell out of (laughs) here. Yeah. Yeah.
2: One of the things that I'm just thinking through Rich, when you said this, you know, folks selling CDs on the street corner and you have folks that that's amazing information. I've never even thought about Actually, artists asking questions about that. Because there's a lot of questions here uh, in the comments of folks hey, asking, hey, how do we increase the value of our NFTs after purchase? How do we make money? How do we follow investment advice? Like, what does this thing look like from an investment perspective? What I keep thinking about is access. And the, you know, the folks on this call, most likely the folks listening in, many of us have master's degrees, you know, expensive mic hooks uh, hookups, PCs brilliant internet connections, net ecosystems, networks. We understand how to learn. We understand how to look at articles, look at Forbes, read books, those different types of things. What it just gut intuition and just kind of things that you care about from a value perspective, do you see this kind of hurting or segregating different communities from being able to access something that's increasing in value and utility so fast?
0: That's why we're here, period. We've talked about this. So we want to bridge that gap where we're bringing in new people and bringing more people into this space where there isn't that kind of gap. Because you're right. There could potentially, I mean, it's hard if you haven't. I, I didn't grow up in this language. Richie didn't either. I mean, this wasn't something that we were reading about on the side six months ago. You know what I mean? We're having to catch up, too. But I think there's a lot of people who could potentially miss out on a lot of opportunity. And that's why I think the ethos of our show is to bring more people on board, artists, creatives, business owners, who can jump in and make some good money, make some good connections and be a thought leader in their their own realm, their own space.
1: I think the question resonates because when something's has a kind of tidal wave effect, so to speak, like this, like it just came out of nowhere, it feels like, especially in the middle of a pandemic and, and all these different things, you're just like, why would I even pay attention to that? wait a second, what they did 20 million total in 2019 and in 2020 or in 2020 and in 2021, OpenSea did, you know, a billion in one day once something along those lines. It's crazy. Like how is all this happening? Especially with so much money involved, the gap culturally between, I would say maybe traditionally educated people with traditional jobs or, or maybe prominent jobs and watching a 12 year old make $4 million over a 24 hour period for art. She sold that you might think sucks. Is baffling to people. It's the same way when you go onto YouTube and you're like, "How did this get a million views?" When I'm watching something my daughter's watching, I'm like, "This slime stuff really gets that many views? This is ridiculous," <laughs> you know. But if anything is going to demonstrate a lot of people's capacity to truly understand business and creativity, how they coexist, but ultimately, I think there's going to be. I guess the only way I could equate it to is like golf. I always think it's so funny when I see celebrities playing golf or athletes playing golf. I'm like, you golf? I'm like, you know, it's such a business person thing in my opinion, but it kind of bridges the gap, so to speak. I think NFTs are, are going to be a way to do that as well. And I would say maybe some of the people or that kind of demographic you were mentioning, maybe they might not be into a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape or a VFriend or anything like that, but you know what they'll probably want to be into? real estate in the metaverse or some something ridiculous like that. You know why? Because there's probably some billionaire who's like, I'm going to create this metaverse and you guys could all come into it and you could be part of this decentralized autonomous organization and we all contribute to it and we build it up and it's going to be your alternate reality. And I am just like saying random things here, Derek, but (laughs) like, because it's all possible. It's literally all possible. So I think in the beginning, it's going to ostracize uh, certain cultural groups, but ultimately it's going to kind of bridge it and everyone's going to jump on the opportunity for what it is.
2: Lovely answers. I have a friend of mine that bought a DeLorean in manaland or he was explaining this. <laughs> that he was so excited. I couldn't even, I, I'm my like, dude settled down. He, he bought this DeLorean, apparently and he's going to drive it at some point in the <laughs> And I don't know what he spent, but in preparation for this call, I'm like, I'm going to buy, I'm going to go through the process. I've listened to some episodes. You guys have broken it down for me, right? Like I'm going to go and buy something. I just like an hour or two into understanding and discovering things. I find this really sick piece of easy E. I think it was like easy E. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is sick. Like, this is dope. I'm going to buy this. It was like 18 grand. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, who likes Easy e that has 18 grand? Like, it was like, yeah. so it was tough. Uh, Jason asks, any comment on using NFTs to align with the NIL rules for amateur athletes?
1: I think I, I know about this. I interviewed an NIL expert uh, once on my previous podcast, Heather, so I'll take it if you want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's giving me the go ahead for anyone who doesn't know nil is name image and likeness where athletes are able to now monetize on those things where if i was a collegiate athlete i could never do that before now the floodgates are open and you had what alabama's quarterback before the season even started uh, bryce young i believe his name bryce young right um either way uh, he landed some sort of like million dollar deal and he hadn't even started a game in his collegiate career But now he's able to monetize on his name, image, and likeness with a sponsor or a deal. When it comes to NFTs, Jason, this is a fantastic question. If I were an athlete on the Duke basketball team right now, I would probably have some sort of crazy deal with a photographer or an amazing videographer and video editor who would have all access courtside and take a zillion pictures of me and a zillion videos of me and put one of those up after every single game. You know why? Because if I own those and I can monetize off my name, image and likeness and the NFT, which is double dipping, and somehow we get to the final four and national championship and then I go on to be like a a ridiculous professional basketball player, like the royalties are in perpetuity. Like it never ends. It never ends. So if I were an athlete, I would not only be all, all over NIL because now it's a new ruling, but NFTs, I mean, it is an insane opportunity. So, hopefully, that answers your question.
2: That was a very good answer for something. I, I'm like, NIL, what, I, I'm not a sports yeah. fan. So, me and Heather were kind of <laughs> yeah. hanging yeah. back, like yeah. opening you'd, <laughs> you'd
1: land. Got you. I got you.
2: So, we, we're, we have about 14 minutes left. I think the time is just, just flying before us. One of the things I wanted to visit is I think we already talked a little bit about this. I think Heather may have mentioned it is big business. In brands, and and you were talking about status and utility and value and all these different things. As businesses start to look at how to tokenize things, I read this uh, this article in preparation for this: real estate NFTs. How to be how it began. So they're they're tokenizing real estate to make the transactions of the real estate much easier, less cumbersome. They're talking about like HOA, like DAOs and HOAs and these different agreements and insurance and intellectual property like we have this we have international trade wars with monolithic countries because of their inability to understand and and reward ip policies but now you can wrap nfts and ip together so now folks be more creative on the ip side like what are you guys' feelings Uh, i'll start with you heather (laughs) <laughs> what Generally, when you think about business, any business, it could be a small business, large, a brand, a sneaker maker, why should they care about NFTs?
0: Because their business is going to be deeply affected by NFTs or they like it or not. That's why they should care. I don't think you should look at the model that is out there right now and think, how do I adapt to that? I think what you need to be asking is, how does this adapt to my industry? How can I mold this technology, this pop culture thing that's going on and bring a little bit of it into my business? You don't have to go crazy and hire a new team and be throwing money everywhere. You need to be learning, understanding what's going on. You need to be a practitioner and start, uh, you know, I'm I'm not advising anybody to buy anything, but suggesting that you start buying your own NFTs and partaking in this world a little bit to understand it. And then starting really small, thinking what is a micro shift that we can make? I mean, we had somebody on the show the other day who uh, had a nonprofit and she said, simply, if you you have a nonprofit, do you have it set up where people can donate crypto? I mean, something, something so small like that, where if you think about, if you're aware of what NFTs are, if you're interested in it, if you're looking at that, you are ahead of the curve right now. And it feels like you're late, but you're not. And if you're figuring out how do I... Bring this into my business, you got to be thinking like an educator because not only are you trying to think of how, what is the utility here from a business standpoint, but how do I educate my clients, my audience to understand what the hell we're doing? (laughs) So become an educator. I was on a Twitter space the other day and I told everybody in there, I'm like, you have an opportunity here to be the voice in your industry for nfts so we had a guy in there who's like a skateboarder or something in a bike shop or whatever become the nft bike shop dude and who just educates your community on nfts and so forth start there and grow and expand i have a lot of thoughts about this this excites me i think more than anything else i'm not an art fanatic i don't look at art or think about art that art's not my thing What I'm interested in is small business and creatives, how this can completely change people's lives. And I think we haven't even began to see what's to come in that space. And with that, we have the chance to be the leaders (laughs) for small business and creatives right now, if you jump in. So
1: yeah, uh, I only thing I would say in addition is I fundamentally believe that this is going to challenge the creativity of businesses. Everything Heather said is just on point. What problem does your business solve? How can you leverage this technology to solve that problem in a way different from everyone around you in the same industry? Like, that's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. And by the way. P.S. Yeah, P.S. People will probably be willing to spend some very insignificant amount of money on your lead magnet. But if you do the NFT right, people will spend $500 on it like nothing. It's insane. So the upside is, and like I said, in perpetuity as well, as far as royalties and things like that, or the artist fees, but who can solve that industry's problems creatively using this technology, thinking outside the box, they're going to win long-term.
0: I got to say one more thing, Derek. Sorry.
2: Do it. No, please. You just
0: said people are more willing to spend you know, on this NFT, and you're 100% right on that. I don't think the other side of that we're talking enough about, which is the fulfillment side for creatives and business owners to think deeper about serving and about giving back, not not, not just from a one-time purchase, but like continual service. Because that's one thing that the NFT space is really big on right now is if you're a holder cool, I get a discount off XYZ. Cool, I get into the Discord community. Cool, you give me a ticket to this conference. But people are expecting a lot more. As a holder, what's the lifetime value here? What is the roadmap? What are all the different things that you're going to give to me and nurture your community with over the long haul? And so... As a business owner, as a creative, we have the opportunity to start thinking a lot more service based. Of like, it's not a one time transaction; this is a lifetime value add that we're bringing in when we introduce NFTs. She's pumped up. I know. I love this topic. <laughs> Why are you talking to me about NFTs? I'm sweating over here.
2: <laughs> I didn't even know this topic existed. And there's so many conversations I have in, in this podcast kind of environment. It's all people oriented, right? Like this human relationship with technology, and you. And a lot of it is about community and creating value and building proximity because technology is it's building barriers. It's building walls because that's what it does. It's good at doing that. It's good at being unbiased, but it's our job as humans to use it at, to influence more proximity and, and more love. And now I'm going Kumbaya. I went from Batman NFT voice to Kumbaya. Love. <laughs> you want to see
0: Heather get real pumped up, start talking Kumbaya. <laughs> yeah. I'm about that life.
2: Very quickly. So look, there was a lot of questions I wanted to get into where we just don't have the time. I think a lot of these could be answered just by listening to some of your content, watching your YouTube videos, et cetera. I wanna go a little more personally. I wanna talk a little bit more about money. I wanna talk a little bit more about FOMO. I wanna talk about, you know, Heather, we were talking before the we went live. Like, you know, you're a mom, you're in a family. Rich is a
0: dad, yeah.
2: You know, Rich is a dad, he has a wife, you have a, this is not just, you know, two single people just talking NFTs, right? There's a a family, there's an ecosystem, there's lives. One of you, you start us off by, you know, how are you engaging in this new world and able to kind of peel yourself back and spend the time at the park with the kids or get off your phone? or reasonably invest money that you could potentially lose if i lost 10 bucks today i I would lose sleep (laughs) that's just me so like i can you just talk about some of that some of the the human nature of this new world of nfts and buying and investing etc
0: one of the things that uncle gary always says we love gary here and i completely agree with him when he was talking about Web2, social media, all that. People are like, it's ruining families. It's ruining our mental health. It's ruining everything. And trust me, I come from the mental health world, big into that space and spirituality. And there's so much to consider here. But I agree with what his philosophy in this is that technology did not change us. It elevated who we already were and showed who we already are. And I don't think NFTs or all this stuff is doing anything other than revealing to Rich and I what's already in our hearts and what our values already are. And it's making us have a cold, hard look at that. It hasn't changed us. It's showing us what was already there. And so how are we handling it now? Messy, (laughs) imperfect, and sometimes killing it and knocking it out of the park. It's a balancing act, but it's really put us in a position to ask. And we've had these questions You know, We've talked about it a lot, just one-on-one. What do we want? What do we value? And what are we going to prioritize right now? Because we're in a really lucky position that we have the privilege to have too many cool things to pay attention to and look at and realizing what really matters in life is that our kids are alive and healthy. Our spouses love us. We have a roof over our heads. We have clothes on our body and it's a privilege. This is a, a privileged conversation to even be having. And I think I have to remind myself of that a lot. These are small little problems. (laughs) And that grounds me. That grounds me when it gets chaotic.
1: Yeah. Money, family, splitting time. Unlike Heather, my spouse is not interested in NFTs at all. Yes. She will be. I'm like, can you watch our YouTube video today? You know, like, I'm like, it's a good one. You know, like, what kind of... Sounds like my wife. (laughs) (laughs) She's got her things going on. And you know what? If I really need to think about it, it's like... If it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. She likes to eat ethnic foods, like Indian food and, and you know, uh, French food and whatever. I'm not, I'm not like into that. I am just like meat and potatoes guy, right? So Cheetos. it's like- does she yeah, does she look at me differently because I don't like those things? No. Can I look at her as like, what's wrong with you? NFTs are everything. No. And I don't think they're everything. What this has done is helped me exercise kind of like what Heather said is like what what do I actually want in life? Like I think we both share the capacity and the desire to serve. So we're doing that. We both want to express ourselves in video and audio. You know, So we're doing that. And we both want to make money off of creating content, which we do that. So I think both of us, we are the last people you're going to find that are completely and literally obsessing and going on every NFT website to see what's up and what's down or anything like that. We are patient. We owe it to our community to be patient. And we owe it to them to just be very mindful of what they're doing and and to not get caught up in the hype because this is very, very much hyped. Although we've seen real life value out of it, that's the responsibility. So keeping up with all of it, like what I keep up with and what takes my time and the things that make me feel guilty is literally what's helping us move this business and this podcast forward and not just like, how much can I get in NFTs today? How much can I flip or what is this doing? If the desire and the core is to, to serve, then that guilt doesn't really happen. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at.
2: Thanks for that. Thanks for the, the clarity and sharing that with us. One more question for each of you, and then let's hear about how folks can get a hold of you. If you had, and I asked this question of all my guests, if you had unlimited resources in seven days to execute on something, where would you start? What would you try to do?
0: We're gonna have the same answer, I think.
2: Go ahead. I'll nod <laughs> my head. <if> you, <laughs> that was I'll, a
0: challenge. You're like, go ahead. I'll,
1: I'll nod my head if I, if that's it.
0: Unlimited resources. Unlimited. Seven Money's days. I would pack my shit up, pack the kids' shit up, my (laughs) husband's shit up, and I would travel so much and not sleep. I would go to every—I would go to third world. I would try to see third world countries and exotic countries. I want to see from, like, every spectrum, cultures. Do a quick meditation somewhere, like an expensive meditation with, like, a Buddhist monk on a beach with some weed or something
2: i amazing great perf, perfect <laughs> you win <laughs> yeah
1: but derek this is so funny i'm, I'm really in the manifestation right now and i'm reading which is amazing, weird for
0: rich this is new it for is very him.
1: weird for me but okay. i'm starting to see the science and you're
0: seeing the light
1: yeah, all these things. But I have aspiration. Jesse Isler says this all the time. If you're an older person, older or middle-aged or whatever, and your parents don't live in the same state, you always say to yourself, like, oh, I'll see them over Christmas or whatever, you know, but then I gotta go to the in-laws for Thanksgiving. So let's just say you see them two times a year. All right. Like how many years do they maybe have left? Like 20. So does that mean you're just going to see them 40 more times max? Like, are you okay with that? So that's like something I think about. And when I think about that and I'm very lucky, I have family very close by, but I think of all the things I want to do, the experiences I want my daughters to have. And one of those is to go with my family to the Olympics, wherever it is, and just be like USA'd out and like everything, never have to worry about getting that hot dog or just that beanie or whatever. It doesn't matter. That's kind of how I'm thinking now. But if I had those seven days, it would be probably similar to Heather's and and just really create some unbelievable experiences, get to where we want to get fast, indulge in all the possible things we can and just really have something because the memories stick forever. The money could disappear
2: tomorrow.
0: Somebody told me once to spend your money on experiences, not possessions. And I loved that.
2: We try to do the same as well. You'd really like my wife, Heather. And I think she'd like your wife, Rich.
1: Yeah, she doesn't give a damn about NFTs. Uh,
2: it, the last comment, Patrick Moore says, "I think Rich and Heather should start a fund." He's a benefit geek and a jarhead, apparently. So, uh, how can folks get a hold of you?
1: NFTs for newbies with a four NFTs for newbies on Instagram. We
0: just trademarked FOR though, so yes, was- we
1: did. Uh, trademark application is oh, cool. in. YouTube channel, all that stuff. Here's one thing, and this is not a plug, it's free, but we have a, a lingo guide. There's so much lingo that you could easily be like, I'm out of here. You know, like I'm <laughs> not, I'm not going on Twitter ever again, because I had no idea what that tweet meant. We have a lingo guide. If you go to nfts4newbies.com and we have a lingo guide there, I think it has like 40 something terms and it kind of explains And that them.
0: funnels to nothing. There's no product it funnels into. It's literally just there for value. So
1: hundred percent, but that's how you get in touch with us for sure. And on LinkedIn, obviously.
2: Awesome. Well, I'll go ahead and we'll take the audio of this talk and we'll put it into the Data Bench podcast so folks can stream it anywhere they'd like to do that. Please download and check out NFT for Newbies. I really like you both as people. I wish we could be besties if you were in Cali. You know, we'll have to stay in contact, but you know, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of this experience and thanks for folks that are watching.
1: Blast. Thank you.
0: so cool. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, absolutely honored to be on. Thank you. Awesome. Bye folks. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us in the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at derek at The Data Binge Podcast is a personal thought form where we share knowledge and ideas, views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.